We're kind of more like co-workers or co-parenting rather than like lovers. My husband and I have talked quite a bit about this. Like he says, I like it when you initiate. I like it when you lean in. That helps me. That encourages me. They just said, I just love the way you and dad just kiss each other. You know, I don't necessarily have to wait for him. I can do things that say, this is also what I want. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Today's episode is for the ladies, and it's all about the flirtation experiment. And so I had the privilege of speaking with Lisa Jacobson today, who's the co-author of the book, The Flirtation Experiment. And Lisa is a podcaster, the founder of Club 31 Women. And she and her husband, they've been married for 30 years and they live in the Pacific Northwest. Um, And then their podcast is called The Faithful Life Podcast. So this episode is all about getting that spark back into your marriage or um, just wanting to fan the flame higher. Uh, It's, you know, if your daily interactions are starting to feel kind of stale or like you guys are ships passing in the night, this episode is for you. It's all about practical ways that you can um, experiment by flirting with your husband and um, really finding the intimacy and the romance that you crave. So listen into this awesome episode. Also, one quick note, we do have just a few slots left for our intimacy and adventure retreat in St. George, Utah. We would love to have you there with us live. It's going to be March 11th through the 13th in person. And um, it's all surrounding intimacy and adventure. So we have lots of fun adventures that we'll be go- doing, um, like sand duning um, in the four four wheelers on the sand dunes. Um, we'll be golfing and there are massages, hikes. Um, that's all optional, but um, it's going to be a blast. And then all of our marriage sessions will be focused on intimacy and adventure. You'll get an intimacy and adventure kit Uh, on your bed when you arrive at the retreat. Um, Beautiful hotel, by the way. All the pictures are on the website. So you can go to dearyoungmarriedcouple.com slash retreat to register. And we hope to see you there. Welcome, Lisa, to the podcast. We're so happy to have you on today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I love the title of your new book, The Flirtation Experiment. And before we jump into uh, what the experiment um, you know, brought about in terms of the fruit in your marriage and in the marriages of those that you influence, uh, we want to hear why, why this experiment? How did this come about between you and your co-author? Well, my co-author is Felicia Masonheimer, and she's also one of my contributors on the Club 31 Women. And so she called me, and we're also personal friends. So she called me one day and she said, okay, Lisa, I've been doing this thing for my marriage and I'm really excited about it. And I call it the flirtation experiment. 
And then right, like immediately I had that sense of, okay, I love this. What, you know, tell me more. And she said, well, I just felt like we were in kind of a dry spot. We have lots of young children and we're kind of more like coworkers or co-parenting rather Mm. than like lovers and friends. And so she said, I didn't let him know, but I've been secretly working on these little flirtations and, um, and the, you know, the effect was phenomenal. So she read me some of her notes and how it impacted not just him, but her and their marriage. And I started laughing. I just said, Oh, I'm, I'm like, I'm almost a professional flirt. Like I totally get what you're (laughs) talking about. And, and so earlier on, I've been married for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. But earlier on in our marriage, when also when I had young children at home, I kind of had the same sort of ex- experience. I didn't have a name for it at the time, but it was one of those moments where I chose to do something intentionally just to see if it would help, if it work, and and the impact was tremendous. And it mm. and it was kind of that later on I've called it kind of my secret sauce or the kind of thing that helps us keep the glue together, even when Mm. we're working through hard things or in a difficult season. So that's that's how it came about. And um, so we decided let's do a book together because we have two, you know, two different women with different personalities, Mm -hmm. different marriages, different even seasons of life. And and yet we really find that this is applicable no matter if you've been married two years or 50. That's so cool. I love that. Okay. So let's get practical. Talk to us a little bit more about what the flirtation experiment could include? What did it include in the early stages when you guys were just experimenting with your own husbands? Okay. So I'll tell you uh, my first one, at least that I remember so clearly because it was so, it had such an impact and, and uh, it was a season of life. I had four children, six and under, and it was a very busy season. My husband was working hard and he was gone a lot um, Mm -hmm. for his work. And And so I was at home, I was just making dinner and the kids were on the kitchen table waiting for dinner, kind of like throwing their napkins at each other and kind of, you know, kind of playing, but almost on the border of arguing. (laughs) Yep. Totally. And he walked into work, you know, walked in the front door and he came behind me and he kind of wrapped his arms around my waist while I was cooking. And I should have been just thrilled. Like I should have like, oh, honey, you're home. But I was just mad. Like I was already (laughs) mad. And and so I kind of did the, you know, not saying anything, but just kind of shrugged him off, you know, Mm -hmm. basically saying, get away from me. Okay. So, And he kind of backed off. And then I just happened to glance around my shoulder and I saw just his shoulders droop. And I just Mm -hmm. saw that he was just defeated, discouraged, rejected. And I thought, okay, Lisa, all day long, you've been thinking, oh, how nice it would be if I just, you know, had this romantic experience and these, you know, wonderful opportunities like you see in the movies or something. And I thought, I just blew it. Like I just, Mm. I just, you know, lost an opportunity. And I felt, I thought, what would happen if, if instead of doing what I just did, I kind of turned around and like pressed right back into him. So I did, like, I didn't let him even leave because all this happened like in a split instant, right? Mm. So I turned around and I just wrapped my arms around his neck and I just pressed into him. And, and then like, we were there for, I don't know, a while. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, wait a minute. Woo. You know, we better, um, <laughs> you know, the kids are like, what's mom and dad doing over there? And that's fantastic. It was really wonderful. And it, it was interesting to me, not just how it obviously encouraged him. Like he started helping with the kids and mm. just gave him some ref- refresh and energy, yes. but also 
like it made, it changed me too. Like mm-hmm. I also felt like, you know what, we've got a good thing going here. And mm-hmm. I almost forgot. And, you know, and this is something I can build. I don't have to, um, you know, I don't necessarily have to wait for him. I can do things that say, this is also what I want. This is, yeah. even if I'm not feeling this way, I want to make steps, make decisions that encourage this direction that I long for. Oh, beautiful. That's so cool. I love that example. I like it when people can visualize how does this play out? Um, so that's one example is just, and actually we, in psychological terms, we call it leaning in. Um, but even if it's not a physical lean in, it can be an emotional lean in or a communicative lean in. And, um, you gave an example of how that can be done physically, mm-hmm. but it was yeah. a choice. Yeah. yeah, it is a choice. And I think as maybe as women, maybe as Christian women, we kind of, we've, I feel like we've bought into this. Oh, we just have to wait for our husbands. We have mm-hmm. to wait for him to lead. And I'm all for, you know, <laughs> men leading. Like I, I embrace that, but also, and my husband, and I've talked quite a bit about this. Like he says, I like it when you initiate, I like it when you lean in. Yes. That, me. that encourages me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just think we, uh, we have more power than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. That's good. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting. You talked about the, the Christian women aspect. Um, cause I mean, you could have just said women in general, but you, you chose to say as Christian women, mm-hmm. where do you think that comes from as Christian women that we feel the need to just let him initiate everything and lead everything? Um, not just, you know, being the spiritual head, but, you know, initiating even in our romance. Yeah, I do think it's that trickle down effect that we somehow took the idea of spiritual leadership again, which I embrace, but kind of made it sound like, so it seemed like they have to do everything. They have to initiate sex. They have to initiate conversation. They have to initiate family rhythms. Mm. It's a lot on this guy who's yeah. working full time as well yes. as trying to be a husband and father. And, and it's actually something you can be helpful with. It's something that, um, like I said, my husband has said, yeah, this is, this is, this doesn't make it all on me. And it makes me feel wanted. It makes mm-hmm. me feel cared for. And I thought, Oh, I never thought of it like that. Right. Yep. So, yep. Not That's all great. on you. It's, it's something we're doing together. Yes. Amen. And I think that is quite biblical, you know, that it, it needs to be collaborative. We see that in first Corinthians about in the sexual context. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we see it in song of Solomon where she's actually initiating quite a bit mm-hmm. um, in both uh, the romantic non-sexual context before they're married and then the sexual context after they're married. Yeah. So it's quite biblical. Yes. It is. Like, I love that, that you mentioned the song of Solomon part, because I think we sometimes miss or pass over the fact that this woman has a lot to say and a lot to offer their relationship. And I love the visual of her pursuing him. Like when he, you know, she goes out in the night and she's like, where are you? Yep. And she's the one that's seeking him. Yep. And I, I think that's a beautiful picture of what we can do and, and want to do. Yes. Okay. So if, if a woman is listening and she's like, okay, I want to try this experiment. Where do I start? Um, how would you guide her in starting this experiment with her husband? So I think it's a good idea to just list a, a couple of things, a couple of areas you want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to connect more. Maybe you want to have date night. Maybe you want to have more sex. Like, it, you know, I hear this quite a bit. And so mm-hmm. but be, 
be pretty specific about what your expectations and hopes are. And then if you could write down one or two things that are small but specific that would that you're going to try for a period of time, maybe seven days, maybe the next 30 days, because mm-hmm. that is something like, as you know, much about scientific experiments is it's important to be specific yep. and have your time frame so that you know what you're pursuing rather that general, I just want, you're really mm-hmm. saying, no, this is what I'm going to try. And that's kind of the, even the, the thought behind it calling it an experiment. An experiment. You're actually trying to specify an outcome. And and I love the idea of an experiment because you can even think of a hypothesis, right? Like yes. you visualize it coming to pass and that actually helps with you pursuing that outcome. Yeah. Like Felicia used one, like this is one of the first ones that she told me about. And she, she said, I'm not really a fun person, but I want more fun in our marriage. And okay. my husband is a fun person. And so she said, I just realized I'm kind of all business, all this is what we need to get done. And even though at the same time, I'm complaining that, you know, there's not more laughter in our marriage. So she said, okay, so every day for, I think for seven days, she was going to play some kind of joke or some kind of prank with him. And um, she did things like wait for him when he got home from work and had water balloons behind a bush and like just your water balloons at him. And she was, like, I felt really, she was like, I felt really stupid because I'm just so not that way. She said, but it was so fun. And, you know, it ended up that we were laughing and she, and, and then she tried a couple of other things like that. And she said, I just noticed after this little experiment that he had a little note for her, just things like that. She goes, so it really did, it filled his tank in a way he didn't even know how to communicate that. That's cool. In our marriage. I need you to be, I want you to be fun. That's so. really cool. I love that. And even though you experiment for, say, seven days or 30 days, do you find in the feedback you're getting from the study and from the book, do you find that this is a rhythm that continues throughout the marriage? It doesn't stop after seven days or 30 days? Yes, I think it absolutely can carry on. I also, we have found that it's something to renew mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't like, oh, I fixed that, right? right. Now we're, right. And now we're the fun couple or you know, <laughs> sure. now we're connected. Yeah. But what's really nice about it, because now I, you know, I've been doing it for formally for the last maybe three years now. Okay. Um, but occasionally Felicia and I will talk on the phone and we'll say, you know, we'll share with each other about maybe something we're struggling with or discouraged by and like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do another flotation experiment this next week. And, oh, nice. and, and it doesn't take so long to bring it back. We find, and it does help. And even if like, obviously our husbands know now they're, they know what that for. <laughs> sure. I, like I told my husband, Matt, I said, do you ever be tired of like, you know, feel tired of being a, a laboratory rat? He goes, you no, I love it. <laughs> and I said, I'm surprised you don't catch on like, oh, Lisa's on her little flirtation thing again. He goes, no, I don't think that way. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about how husbands respond. Obviously, if you're connecting more with him, he's going to like it. And you've, you've kind of given a head nod to that. What about when they know that this is because it's quote unquote, an assignment, you know, like, I think about the assignments I give my clients and they're like, well, what, what if my husband knows that I'm just doing it because my therapist told me to, you know, like, so, so talk about like that piece of it, like the husband catching on. Well, as so far, the results from my husband, her husband, and then the other women that have done this experiment, they said it's been a hundred percent positive and they didn't care what was motivating it. Just that they liked that it was doing it as long as it was genuine, which of course has been uh, pretty much the case for most women. They're like, 
I don't know how to do this. I just know I want to do this. And, and, and so many of the husbands have also appreciated though that their wife is being vulnerable this way. They recognize, they actually recognize that it's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable or stretching sometimes. Yes. Um, like one of the things I did, I did this, I wanted more mystery in our romance. You know, we've been married for 30 years. So after a while, mm-hmm. you kind of feel like you know each other pretty well, but okay, I want more mystery. And so I I planned this for me, somewhat elaborate mystery dinner date. And, and but I felt really stupid. I'm like, oh, this is so, you know, he's going to think this is dumb. He's going to think this is cheesy. Like, I, I can't even tell you all the voices that went into my sure. head. Yeah. And, but it was the opposite. Like he loved it oh, and he was like, cool. and I was kind of leading him around giving him directions. I thought, oh, he's going to, he's kind of more of a take charge guy. So I didn't know how he'd feel about that, but mm-hmm. he, he was totally down for it and thought it was great. So, and yeah. appreciated my efforts. Like he genuinely did. So that's fantastic. I love that. That's really neat. So it does require vulnerability. This is new. It's different. You're, uh, I explain it this way. You're going out for a high five and you don't know if you're going to get a high five back. You might be left hanging. Um, now in all the cases you've described, you've had some pretty good outcomes. So they, they have an idea of, okay, I'll probably get a high five back, but you don't know. And especially if you're not one to initiate typically you're not one to take risks that might be really hard to overcome can you give some tips to the women out there who are saying ah that's not me i don't know if i can take that risk i don't know if i can be vulnerable and try something new like that it, that's a tough one and i i just want to acknowledge that it's a challenge and yeah. um but what i have what i have personally wrestled with is that this is something that i want and i want for us so no matter how he responds, I want to know at the end of this experiment that I've done what I can yes. to achieve this outcome, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't turn out the way I wanted or hoped. And mm. um, and so you can still feel good, even if yeah. you're disappointed or discouraged. So again, not taking away from that. And I yeah. did have some of those, you know, some of those experiences as well, where it didn't okay work out the way I had thought it would or hoped. It's part of the experiment, right? Yes. It was an experiment. And, um, and a few things came out of that again, just me realizing it's okay. If I try, even if it doesn't turn out the way I'd hoped, Yes, I can feel good about that. Mm -hmm. But also in these cases, I'm particularly thinking of, it was a growing experiment experience for me in realizing, okay, what can I do different? what can I do maybe even better so we can communicate that this is important to me. And um, in the, what I'm thinking of is celebrating. We were, we're just not very good celebrators and I wanted more celebration and, and it (laughs) did not work out, did not not work out. And I, you know, I ended up leaving just like, Oh, see, we're never going to be, we're never going to celebrate ever again. We're just not celebrating. I'm just going to have to resign myself. But it wasn't true. It was true. We didn't have an initial success, but we have continued to work on it. Okay. And and I would say even now that he is um, just more aware of how important it is to me mm-hmm. and that he's he's also working on it in his end. He goes, you know, this doesn't yes. come natural to me, but I want I want to do better. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think part of that is me not being so quick to just go, oh, failure, instead of going, eh. Okay. Yeah. That's good. But let's keep swinging. I like that. And it it does bring us back to the whole experiment concept. 
that this doesn't have to go perfectly. And so if you do feel some, you know, anxiety or trepidation about trying something new, accept the fact that it might not go exactly like you envision. Your hypothesis might not come to fruition and that's okay. You can go back to the drawing board and you'll still accomplish some things. In fact, uh, we have, uh, have teenage boys at home right now and they're taking mm-hmm. chemistry and, and physics and, and they're in my kitchen often with, you know, the vinegar and, <laughs> and you know, like, what are you uh-huh. doing? Like, well, I'm supposed to, if I pour this into that, it's supposed to do that. But I said, well, it just looks like a mess to me. Like, I know, <laughs> but I was really in it, immediately um, convicted. Like, I don't think of them. Oh, that's a failure. Like, that's not my response. My response is, hmm, mm-hmm. why don't you go back to your original experiment what, you know, did you follow all the steps? Is there something you could do differently? And, and I thought, oh, Lisa, this is a, you know, keep this picture in your mind of, you know, your son Hawking in the, on the kitchen island with his bottle of vinegar, you know, yes. going, hey, that's okay. Try again, try something a little different. That's so. awesome. That's a good visual to go back to. And I think, you know, any of us with children could plug in an experience we've had with our kids whether it was an actual experiment in the kitchen with vinegar and whatnot, or just anything that they're trying for the first. I mean, my daughter's four and she's riding a bike and some days she actually does really well without training wheels. And then other days she gets a lot more anxiety about it and it's okay. We just have to keep practicing and go back to the drawing board. And what are some other methods that we can use that will help? Yeah, that's good. So any, any, anything you can plug in there to help with the visual of giving yourself grace. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What are some of the other experiments that you guys talk about in the book? We'll be right back to the interview. But first, we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage, too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right. Back to the interview. Okay, so some of the other ones we uh, talked about were um, just connection and uh like for us, we had a, a season that, well, a lot of us had a season. Yes. <laughs> so I don't even explain that where just, we just kind of fall into a rut too, just like watching uh, shows in the evening, not really communicating, not really, mm. like we were just fried. And I, sure. and I, I share this in the book. I think that's fine. Like I, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not harsh with ourselves about that, but I also didn't want that to be our new way of being. And I did miss our times of evenings of connecting after the kids were in bed and Mm -hmm. having those conversations, just even if it's just, how was your day to how are you, you know, how are you feeling? What are you thinking about? So Mm -hmm. um, I had to think through of how can I like break this cycle we've got fallen into and without giving them the big, um, what I call the big relationship talk, you know, you're not, 
doing this and we're not doing that and we need to do better because he just gets I think he gets tired of those little <laughs> those little pep talks for me yes. <laughs> so so I just said hey why don't we um play a game you know why don't we bring out the old Scrabble board and and at first he's like oh, okay you know, I'm tired and but then he beat me soundly so that you know cheered him up and <laughs> No, it was fun. Yes. But just, so we started just making a goal of playing games three, four times a night, three or four nights a week. And, oh, wow. and yeah. um, just for a little bit, like it doesn't have to be all evening. It's just a uh-huh. round or two. And that sure. got us laughing and talking and just getting out of the, the mind rut we found ourselves in at the end of the day. So ah, that's a good way to put it. A mind rut. <laughs> we can often find ourselves there. I love what you put on the back of the book. Do your daily interactions with your husband look more like a meeting between coworkers? And you you referenced th- that concept earlier, you know, that especially at the end of a day, the end of a work day, you could get into conversations or lack thereof that just seem like your coworkers, you know, in the same space. And so being intentional about this is going to be key. Talk about the consistency that's required here. Yeah, I I I know that we all naturally long for those big sweeping moments that just really great date night or moment of deep connection. But as I think most of us probably know deep down, at least that it's really built on those small things every day mm-hmm. and, or at least most days. And when I remember that, it helps me to be, you know, to be faithful in those little things. Another example in our lives, as far as like a small daily thing is we start each day um, having coffee together in the mornings And I, as a wife, have an option. I can use this as my um, mark off my list sort of time, you know, who's taking which kid where Mm -hmm. and um, which bills have or have not been paid, like just the things. Because for me, that that helps me like clear my head, right? Sure. It's not romantic. It's not (laughs) not what friends do. Like if you and I were sitting down having a cup of coffee, I wouldn't go, okay, so, you know. (laughs) Right. It's true. Have you done all your school shopping? And, you know, we would would talk about things. And so I try to, we try to make that time somewhat sacred and not talk Mm -hmm. about business. And just for those 30 minutes in the morning, we just talk about you, me, what you're thinking about, what you're Mm -hmm. dreaming about. um, And, uh, and keep it kind of strict that way so that we do have a closer connecting time. And that sort of connection helps build to those to make those sweeping moments where you have that really deep conversation you've been longing for mm-hmm. or breakthrough or even just a fun, wild, um, I'm, I'm calling it date night, but we've been locked down for most of this. So we don't get out <laughs> as much as I'd like, but, but even if it's a long, beautiful walk, we're, we're close and I don't yeah. have to do the hard work of starting from ground zero. Right. Because you've, you've already warmed up. You've been connected yes. on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. You talked about earlier um, the first time you remember in your own marriage where it was in the kitchen and, you know, you chose to go ahead and lean in and it was in front of your kids. Um, What impact does this make on children when they see their mom and dad flirting, when they see mom initiating, when they when they see this intentionality taking place? Oh, it has such a powerful impact on your kids. You're in our kids love seeing people love each other. And I think now more than ever, I'm sure it's always been true, but now that our, um, our four oldest kids are all in their twenties. So they're, you know, they're ready to give us feedback, right? 
<laughs> and and uh, like they were home for all for Christmas, even last couple of weeks. And, and they just, they're, um, they just said, I just love the way you and, you know, dad just kiss each other and you mm-hmm. still snuggle and you laugh at each other's jokes. It's kind of cheesy, but it's really sweet. Yes. The longest, the longer we were out in the world and around other people, I realized how rare it is. And it just brings them a lot of security, um, gives them hope. Uh, and it's it's a it's a bright light um mm-hmm. yeah for I think sure it, i think it really impacts your kids yes absolutely and you're speaking about that from an adult ch- child perspective being able to give you feedback mm-hmm. um but even if you have young kids you know actually you mentioned impacting their security and their you know it's a good it's a good impact on them there are studies that support that the cognitive development is uh, far superior when when parents show affection in front of them compared to kids who don't have connected parents or parents who don't show affection in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear often of, of people who are like, oh, we can't we can't kiss in front of the kids or we can't you know, we can't get too frisky. Like, I mean, obviously there are going to be some limits because there are some certain things that are sacred um, that you you do keep very private, but I mean, if you kiss for a few seconds and it gets a little a, a little bit longer, that's okay in front of the kids. That's actually going to contribute to their their security and cognitive development. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. even if they can't express it, they feel it. They really feel it down in their little bones that mm-hmm. that the world is a good place. They're yes. okay, and there is love and and joy to be mm-hmm. found. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And even you mentioned, and I I hadn't even thought about this concept. You mentioned, um, you know, seeing mom and dad connect helps them realize that people can love each other and people can connect. It's not even necessarily about the marriage, although that's a big piece, but it's just about humanity in general. Like they see a lot of hate around them in our community and our society and a lot of division. And so to see that people can still connect, um, I think does give them that sense of grounding. Mm-hmm. It yeah, does. I love that. That was well said. Thanks for that. Um, so what would you tell someone who doesn't know where to start um, when it comes to flirting with their spouse? Um, now that we've talked about all the principles, we've given some examples, um, what would you say is a good starting point for them? Okay. Well, I recommend getting our book, The Flirtation Experiment. Yes. And we will link that in the show notes, by the way. Because it does really uh, both lay it out, but also give lots of examples um, that that you don't have to follow exactly what we did, but you can go, okay, well, in our marriage, this probably would make better sense, or I would like to try this. So there's lots of room for creativity that way. Okay. And if you are starting out, then uh, writing out that one goal you would like to have better connected, more affection. And you could do everything from something biblical, more kindness, more joy to mm-hmm. something more just general, like, okay. uh, like the connection. Mm-hmm. And then write out, I, you know, I think at least seven days, um, but up mm-hmm. to 30 of I'm going to every day, I'm going to do this. And okay. It can be, um, I'm going to kiss him before he leaves for work or before I leave for work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to write a note in his, um, in his lunchbox or something. Like, I don't know, yes. <laughs> depending on just something that you know, that's a little outside your normal routine. Um, but that's going to add that something that you, um, 
you want to build. Okay, nice. So that's where to start, ladies. Just get that goal in mind and set up your seven to 30 days and maybe start small if if it's something that's maybe a bit, uh, you know, you're a bit trepidatious about. Start small, start with seven days and and then do they need to have a different action each day or just the same action each day? How would you guide them there? Well, being consistent is is super important. So a lot of times it is like, say it was, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kiss them for seven seconds each day, then uh-huh. just go ahead and do that for your full seven to 30 days. Okay. <laughs> but if it's something like I mentioned, Felicia's, I just want more fun. She got creative and didn't do the same thing every day. It was right. just something kind of fun, silly mm-hmm. every day. Um, sure. So it can be either just depending on what it, what the goal is. Yes. Okay. Okay. I like that. So good, Lisa. This has been fabulous. I think this will spark some excitement for a lot of the ladies listening and husbands. If you're listening, feel free to shoot this uh, episode to your wife. And I don't think it could do anything harmful. I think it, it would just be a good conversation point if if nothing else. And then hopefully it'll be something that um, really just uh, blossoms into the experiment and the fruit that comes from that experiment. Yes, definitely. Yes. Okay, Lisa. So we are going to close out the podcast. I have a couple questions for you. Um, one question is, other than the book, are there any other resources that you would recommend to folks listening pertaining to this subject or or just marriage in general? Um, well, I also have a couple of other books that I'll recommend and not just because they're my books, but um, they're yeah. the 100 Ways to Love Your Husband. And What's the title again? 100 Ways to Love Your Husband. 100 and, Ways. Okay. And these are short, like literally just short, short things that okay. you can do. Words you can say, thoughts you can have acts you can express. And, um, and my husband's actually written 100 ways to love your wife as well. Okay. Um, a lot of couples have expressed that it's been very helpful because for once the one book their husband will read because it's short, easy to do. And we found that so many times, both for husbands and wives, but a lot of times, especially for husbands, they want to love their wife. They just don't know. They're just running out of ideas or they'll go, Oh, I could do this. You know, yeah. I can run her a bath and, you know, light nice. a candle. Right? So they're practical things. They're a hundred very practical, practical ideas. Love yes. that. Okay. So it's a great resource book. Um, especially if you feel stuck or discouraged that you can mm-hmm. go, you know, I can do this mm-hmm. without reading. A, there's a lot of really great marriage books out there. Um, but sometimes they get kind of heavy or you're just like, okay, I, I want, I want communication. I want this or that. I just don't know what that looks like on yes. a day. Yes. So that's what those books are are great for. Okay, fantastic. Okay, well, we will link both of those in the show notes as well as the flirtation experiment. Um, Where can people um, contact you or find out more about what you have to offer in your resources? Okay, I am at club31women.com. And it's a uh, website with that just encourages you and your marriage, your parenting, your faith. And um, you can contact me there. I'm also on Instagram, same handle, Club31Women. Okay. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. So last question for you, Lisa, this is the way we close out all of our podcast episodes. And we want you to rewind back 30 years ago to the beginning of your marriage. Um, Think about the advice that you wish you would have received and then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Hmm. Dear young married couple, I would 
advise you, recommend that you give both of you room to grow. And just how you are today doesn't mean how it's always going to be. And really, I thought about this so much over after 30 years and you think, oh, look at where we are now. And I wouldn't have guessed that in seven years in, I wouldn't have even seen that 12 years. And it can be sweeter, even if there are um, hurdles to overcome, uh, discouragements, trials. But as you walk through them together, and as you seek the Lord together, He can do really amazing things that you never even saw coming. So, Amen. Oh, yes. Persevere. <laughs> persevere. Thank you so much, Lisa. You are fantastic. We appreciate what you bring to the table and the encouragement that you give so many wives and how that impacts so many marriages. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you for having me. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money on